0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, our final segment with Alex Berenson, as we talk about the coronavirus. Alex, we were talking about death statistics, and you were getting into New York. Let's uh, let's get back into that.
0: Sure. So so just very quickly, so the city has reported 7,500 confirmed deaths. That means there was a, a lab test showing the presence of coronavirus in someone who died. And another four thousand, quote unquote, probable deaths, where the, essentially the person had a cough or had, um, you know, a fever or some other symptom that could have been coronavirus related and died. Um, the the problem is that the city has also said that it, that since this began, uh, you know, which was which was essentially mid March, uh, I, I think March eleventh was the first coronavirus death. There have been about three thousand. Uh, deaths more than you would have expected in New York City, right? In, in New York City, every day people die,
1: right? Exactly. You know,
0: and so so, and, and you know, the city has a large population and it has a lot of elderly people. So, um, depending on the season of the year, it could, there could be two, you know, two hundred deaths a day. There's going to be fewer in the summer. There'll be a few more in the winter. There might be, you know, seasonally, uh, some some winters are worse than others. There might be two hundred fifty deaths a day. You know, it just it just varies. Right. The day to day, year to year. In any case, uh, the city health commissioner said that the city had seen 3000 additional deaths, but there have been 11,500 deaths attributed to coronavirus. So so it's it's pretty hard to look at that and not realize that. Um, you know, some of these people must have died with rather than of the coronavirus. Notice they were, you know, they were extremely elderly and they had underlying conditions and, uh, you know, they became infected because the infection spread very rapidly in the city in the last month uh, and they died and they, you know, and they would have died anyway. And, and, and then there's going to be another group of people who are who were quite sick. Who the coronavirus probably pushed over the edge, right? So, so I have, you know, the, the the classic example. I have, you know, congestive heart failure. I have end stage renal disease. I have, you know, I'm on dialysis. I'm I'm, I'm very sick, and uh, you know, and I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die this year at some point, but who knows when? And then I get the coronavirus, and it does lead me to die, you know, more quickly than mm-hmm. I would have otherwise. So. So, so most of the people who, who are dying, uh, you know, of coronavirus are quite, you know, again they're quite old and they're quite sick, and I think there's a legitimate argument around whether those deaths should be classified as coronavirus deaths or as deaths from the underlying condition. And people have this argument about the flu too. There was actually a very good article um, from Canada from the CBC in 2012 about flu death estimates raising this very point. So this is not a new debate. You know, this debate of, uh, you know, uh, when people are quite sick and, you know, a virus pushes them over the edge, what the correct classification is. It's, it's very clear that for coronavirus, we're going we're gonna to classify as many deaths as possible as coronavirus deaths, as coronavirus related. And that's fine, like, that, that, as long as it's disclosed. That's, a, that's an okay way to do it, but people should be aware of what's going on, and they should be aware that the all-cause mortality numbers in New York don't quite line up with the top-line uh, coronavirus numbers.
1: And and what about the hysteria, Alex? I was in a supermarket a couple days ago, and I don't wear the mask. I just don't. And uh, a lot of people do. And if they want to, that's their prerogative. There's a lady coming down the aisle with her cart wearing a mask, and I'm walking down the aisle with a little basket without a mask. You would think the Grim Reaper was approaching her. She turned around and, like, ran with her cart to get away from me because I didn't have a mask on.
0: So people are terrified of this, and they have no idea what the risks actually are. This is, again, this is the stuff that I, that I want to focus on. They have no idea what the risks actually are to them, and they have no idea what the transmission vectors actually are. Okay, it is, it is incredibly clear now. We have data from Germany and China, and, you know, we have months of, of, of epidemiology on this. Most, da- most tra- In Italy, we have most transmission of this virus occurs in, in really three ways one in the home okay it, it's this is not measles it's not you know it's not like if i sneeze from across the room you're going to get this there has to be some generally prolonged contact right not, you know not not days but but there's got to be some prolonged contact so so the first way is in the home. And by the way, this is an argument that that, that, that you know, sort of goes against lockdowns, because if, 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 if a lot of transmission is happening in the home... You're stuck in worse, there. <laughs> that's right, and you may actually make things worse rather than better in the short run. Okay. The second primary mode of transmission appears to be public transportation, which is another reason why New York City has gotten hit so badly. Mm-hmm. So if you're on a subway... And you're on the subway for an hour with somebody who has this. You know, there's a, there's a good chance that it's going to jump around to other people in that subway car. Okay. And the third primary way is uh, what's called nosocomaly, which is essentially in hospitals and and nursing homes. It's right. in medical settings. And again, that makes sense because because you know these are a, the, the, the the doctors essentially, the doctors and the nurses and the staff can be a vector of transmission. Or nursing homes that may not be that Unfortunately, that clean, that can be a vector of transmission. So, so those are the three main ways. The Chinese, there's a Chinese paper that came out about a week ago where a bunch of Chinese researchers looked at, no joke, thousands of cases, 7,000 uh, infections. And they found that two, two of the 7,000 had occurred through outdoor transmission. And when they looked at Jeez. clusters, they looked at, yeah, I know, it's incredible. They, they looked at 300 clusters totaling about 1,200 people. None of those clusters were outdoor. Most of them were in the home. Most of the rest were in public transportation. And even if you looked at stores and offices and, uh, and restaurants, it was relatively low. This spreads in the home, and it spreads on public transportation. And so what we've done I mean, you can argue a little bit about restaurants and and bars and stores, but what we've done by denying people the chance to be outside and denying people the chance to, you know, children the chance to play is just insane. It's insane. And it's doubly insane because kids are not at risk. It really, it really upsets me.
1: Uh, And I wonder how many of us have the flu virus in us, but our immune system has kept it where it doesn't even fester. Is that conceivable?
0: uh, I you know see that's the kind of thing I don't know okay and and so that that's the kind of stuff I try not to guess at because what what I'm more interested in is 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 the coronavirus right and, and you know look uh, again it's quite clear the flu uh, you know tens of millions of Americans get it every year in Italy by the way you know, which has been quite badly hit by the coronavirus, Italy actually tends to get very badly hit by the flu on on an annual basis. And in in 2016, 2017, the best estimates are that 25,000 people at a minimum died of uh, influenza. And if you look at what they call influenza-like illnesses in Italy, 45,000 died, which would be the equivalent of about a quarter million people in the U.S. and and is about where the coronavirus numbers are likely to come in for Italy. So, and, by, and that's a bad number, okay? But we didn't blow up the world economy when that happened.
1: I want to spend some time talking about your book, Tell Your Children, in the last uh, 10 minutes we've got remaining here, Alex. But before we get into that, what would be your best wish with this coronavirus situation in this country right now?
0: People would understand who's really at risk and that they would stop hiding their children away and, and and ideally that we'd open the schools pretty soon because one of the other terrible things about this is you know this puts a lot of stress on families right the oh my god disruption yeah. and just just physically the fact that people are on top of each other all the time and children are being hurt in some cases you know they and i don't want to exaggerate it, but there is some evidence that child abuse is rising and even that You know, fatal child abuse is rising. Suicides are going up. Texas has been talking about this. Suicide, domestic violence, child abuse, it's all going the wrong way. So, so, So the number one thing I would say to people is understand your risk. And if you have children, your child's risk. Please understand that. And let your kids get some air and play with their friends. If you don't want them to play inside with their friends, okay. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but okay. But let people have play dates outside. You're just hurting your children.
1: What about the the uh, 18-year-olds who are going to graduate from high school, and they may not get that diploma because schools have been closed? They've been denied. They've been denied. And they were going to go to college in September. Yeah. What happened? What? I mean, what? Look, listen, if
0: this is still going on in September, there will be riots in the streets. Okay, it, it is no question.
1: Red- Look what happened in Michigan just yesterday. You know,
0: that's right. That's right. It's been a matter of weeks, and and especially if people start to understand what the numbers really are.
1: All right, tell your children the truth about marijuana, mental illness, and violence. How did this come about?
0: So, so you know, if this is actually in many ways it's very interesting because to tell your children, my wife is a psychiatrist. She's a forensic psychiatrist, so she deals with the criminally mentally ill. Oh my God! And, and, and over a period of years, she was telling me you know, uh, this person was high as a kite when they had, you know, committed this terrible crime. And, they, you know, this person, you know, descended into schizophrenia and, you know, or severe bipolar disorder after years of smoking cannabis. And I honestly didn't believe her because like most, you know, people who went to Yale and worked for the New York Times, I quote unquote knew that marijuana was safe, even though I didn't really, you know, use it. And the, you know, and a the handful of times in my life when I had used, said I didn't particularly like it, but whatever it didn't care. So, so she eventually convinced me to start looking at what the medical data actually said, the data published in really good peer reviewed journals like the Lancet or the British Medical Journal or the Journal of the American Medical Association, and the data is unequivocal. Cannabis is a real risk factor for severe mental illness, especially schizophrenia. It and it unquestionably causes short-term psychotic episodes uh, you know, frequently. So so uh, so and listen, uh, you know there's, this this is frequent enough that users will joke about it, right? If you, if
1: you oh, get sure. really
0: high and you wind up in your closet for uh, uh, for uh, the night because you're afraid your friends, you know, are gonna are gonna steal all your money or whatever it is, you you've had a minor psychotic episode. You know, it's not it's not that's not the kind that lands you in the emergency room, but a step beyond that will land you. In the emergency
1: room. That's right, and you could do so, something to yourself.
0: That's right. Or to somebody else. So, okay. right. so, so here's the thing. So I wrote this book. It came out last January. It's, you know, tell your children. And, and I was a reporter for the Times for 10 years. And the book is, uh, in terms of its analysis of the data, it's, it's airtight. Okay. I've, I've presented it to, you know, psychiatry groups in, you know, on multiple continents, um, it's all peer-reviewed research. So, you know, there's a little bit of original research in there. And, and, and I'm happy if people want to say, look, this risk may be real, but we should still legalize cannabis. You know, alcohol legal. Alcohol kills lots of people. Cannabis, so what if there's some risk? It should be legal, and nobody should be arrested for it. Okay, that's a totally, that's a totally plausible argument. But that's not how the book was received. Okay, the book... Was attacked by pro cannabis advocates, and who said basically, uh, you know, the science is wrong, and Berenson is cherry picking, and you know, I'm misreading the data, and none of that stuff was true, and the and in places like the Times, at the Washington Post, and a lot of cable outlets, essentially refused to cover the book, and so when this happened with. The coronavirus in the last month, this is something I'm very used to now. I, I understand how media groupthink works, because <laughs> yeah. these people just refuse to engage in a meaningful way with a book that a lot of psychiatrists have endorsed and know is correct. And you so, know,
1: we most so, so, likely would have done a show with you just on your book. By the way, just maybe, so you know, you know,
0: and maybe listen, we could do that a other time if you've got a, you know, if you got a spare hour, right? But because it's a really, you know, people should know about this. But but the stakes on coronavirus are a hundred times as high, right? We're, we're literally putting our economy into depression on the basis of of unfortunately a lot of media hysteria that that as more data rolls in is not being updated and the media is so busy yelling at itself that it won't engage with what science really says and that is very bad news
1: It, it really is well you've done a remarkable job there how do people get that book tell your children
0: uh tell your children is available on amazon and uh you know it's funny people seem to want to buy the hardcover the paperback actually has sort of an afterword that I where I go into some of the you know the media response to the book, which uh, which you know for people who are interested in that topic is uh, is directly relevant.
1: Alex's website is linked up at coasttocosteam Alex, why do you think the media back to coronavirus for a moment? Why do you think the media seems to be creating this hysteria? I mean, I've I've never seen them hype something like they've hyped this.
0: Uh, You know, again, I think I think people in New York were quite scared for a while um, and and that was real. And I do think, unfortunately, that everything is seen through the prism of Trump. Uh, You know, and and by the way, that that definitely hurt tell your children, too, that, you know, somehow Trump was viewed as as anti-cannabis, even though there's not much evidence that he cares either way about cannabis. And so so when the when when. The fact that the that, that Trump is the president and the response in in February was inadequate led people to you know to fight with him, literally to fight with him. People like Jim Acosta at the at the uh, you know at CNN yep. or yep. Maggie Haberman at the Times. People people will just will just attack him, and he and he is smart in that he knows that's actually good for his brand. I think, and so he baits them, and it becomes about him. Rather than about the reality of the data,
1: how is your uh, former newspaper, the New York Times, handling this coronavirus story? In your opinion,
0: uh, they're handling it quite badly. Um, yeah. you know they, they look they. There's been a lot of problems in New York. They could have written tr- and they have written a lot of stories about those problems, and still said what's happening in New York is not entirely representative of what we're seeing in the rest of the country. In the rest of the country, hospitals are not filling up with coronavirus patients. In the rest of the country, in fact, hospitals are furloughing workers and a couple of hospitals have closed. And that's an astonishing fact, right? We're in the middle of what is supposed to be the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu. And we have hospitals closing and nurses being laid off and doctors closing their practices because they don't have patients right now. And so the Times should have presented a much more accurate overall picture and could have done that while still talking about the problems of the virus.
1: Yeah, I, and that's and happening all around the country. But when we start going back to work, do you think that's going to change and, and flip around again?
0: I think I hope that over time, you know, people who aren't too completely terrified to leave their houses will see, you know what, I don't actually know anybody who died from this, except maybe, you know, my 80 year old, you know, grandmother's friend or something like that. And I know people who got it and recovered from it. And I hope people will see, okay, you know, yes, this, this was bad for some people, but overall, it didn't wreck society. And we really have to get back to work and and again, more than anything else, I hope people see my kids are fine and,
1: and that, yeah and and I think they better get used to it coming back every season i I don't think this is going to go away
0: no that's 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 true, maybe this or maybe you know some cousin of it, right, but okay, we don't shut society down for the flu. And we can't shut society down for this, not based on what the death numbers are. If this were killing, you know, five or 10 or, you know, God forbid, 20 percent of people. I mean, we, you know, then it would then we really have to basically rework our society for a virus that seems to, at worst, kill maybe one in 300 people who get it. And nearly all those people are, you know, are extremely old and, and, and sick. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's one in 200, but but it's. It's not it's not a number that should destroy our society, especially considering who's really being hurt by this. We're going to have to live with it. It's not it's not going to be fun, uh, you know, but but we live with things. We live we live with HIV, we live with tuberculosis. You know, we 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 live with 40,000 automobile deaths a year. We can't shut society.
1: Exactly.